Chart Chat is a member of the Tiege.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tiege.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, November 19th, 2018. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And you are listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. Caitlin, guess what? What? We have a guest! Yay! We are joined by Chad. Chad, would you like to briefly introduce yourself? I can. Hey, everyone. My name is Chad Kamen, and I'm a student at the University of Virginia. Hooray! Yay for Chad! I'm so excited. Yeah. So Chad, uh, Nick Rubin over in Media Studies, a alum of the music PhD program here at UVA. Nick Rubin put me in touch with Chad hearing that we are all three of us like-minded souls insofar as we like keeping tabs on the charts, keeping up with pop music, and it seemed like a good fit, and it's already paying off in dividends. We were having lots of fun conversations beforehand that we will hopefully share with you, our dear listeners, also, a, a brief apology, I am still on the tail end of a cold that has left me mostly out of commission for the entire week, so if I sound a little low energy, that's why. Also, Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. Um, I had a busy week. I don't have a cold, thankfully, and I am very much looking forward to having a conversation about a certain song today that I'm sure listeners will know exactly when we get to it. <laughs> So stay tuned for that while we attempt to grit our teeth and, and bear it. But until then, I'm going to kick things off with the U.S. chart entries here. Debuting at number 100, we've got Metro Boomin featuring Travis Scott and Young Thug with Up to Something. Right above that at number 99, Takeoff debuts with Casper. A couple slots above that at number 97, we have Camila Cabello with Consequences. Debuting at number 86, there's Ella Quiere Beber. That's nice. my best attempt at Spanish. And that's by <laughs> Anuel AA and Romeo Santos. Metro Boomin, along with Travis Scott, Kodak Black, and 21 Savage, debut at number 79 with No More. Debuting at number 72, we have once again Metro Boomin, this time featuring Swaley and Travis Scott with Dreamcatcher. The Metro Boomin train continues, number 62, 51, 42, and 38 with Overdue, Space Cadet, 10 Freaky Girls, and Don't Come Out the House. And the featured artists on those four tracks, respectively, are Travis Scott, Gunna, and then the last two were with 21 Savage. And... All the way at the top, the penthouse of the Billboard Hot 100, we have Ariana Grande, number one. Thank you. Next. What you got, Caitlin? Okay. I have a little bit of an unexpected number 99. Slipknot debuts with All Out Life. I was kind of shocked to see that on the charts, to be honest. At number 94, we have Nathan Daw debuting with Cheatin'. At number 86, we have Metro Boomin featuring Travis Scott with Overdue. Don't Come Out to the House, that's Metro Boomin again, featuring 21 Savage, debuts at number 80. Number 79, we have Professor Green and Rag and Bone Man with the song Photographs. We have 10 Freaky Girls, that's Metro Boomin again, featuring 21 Savage, again. Number 69. And number 61, we have Little Mix with Joan of Arc. Number 51, we have Panic at the Disco with the song The Greatest Show. 
At number 35, we have Benny Blanco and Calvin Harris with I Found You. At number 33, Clean Bandit, Marina and the Diamonds, and Luis Fonsi debut with their song Baby. And finally, also at number one this week on the UK official charts, Ariana Grande with Thank You Next. Thank you, everyone, for supporting that song. Uh, I really feel like this is a moment for me as well as Ariana Grande. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. We're all represented there at the penthouse. And that's, of course, the first song I want to talk about this week. A huge deal. Someone finally came to our rescue and knocked Girls Like You from the number one spot. That (laughs) most middle-of-the-road song by Maroon 5 featuring Cardi B. And who better to be our hero than Ms. Grande? Grande released this track with no prior announcement and, as you might expect, it promptly blew up about as quickly as you would expect. On its second day of release, it broke the single-day streaming record for a female artist with 8.19 million streams. And then the next day, it broke that record again with 8.57 million streams. And then the next day, it broke that record again with 9.1 million streams. I'm sorry, 9.01 million streams. That extra nine hundredths really counts, but still huge. And thanks to that and some pretty strong digital sales, Thank You Next becomes only the 32nd song in Billboard Hot 100 history to debut number one. That makes it the fourth number one debut of the year alongside God's Plan, Nice For What, and This Is America. Again, another sign that the streaming juggernaut continues because now more than ever, songs are able to blow up quickly and in a way that is less tied to the sort of slow burn rise of radio play. Moving past the stats, Thank You Next is apparently not just a standalone track as I first thought it was. Uh, Instead, apparently it's the lead single from an album that shares the same title that is coming soon. Might be already finished. Will it come out before the year's over? Will it come out early next year? I don't know. We're all in suspense. But in the meantime, let's listen to a clip once again. This is Thank You Next. Thought I'd end up with Sean, but it wasn't a match. Wrote some songs about Ricky. Now I listen and laugh. Even almost got married. I'm so thankful Wish I could say thank you to Malcolm Cause he was an angel One taught me love One taught me patience And one taught me pain Now I'm so amazing To have loved and I've lost And that's not what I see look what I got Look what you taught me obviously doesn't play super well on a audio only podcast like ours but all three of us were doing varying degrees of dancing and or lip syncing and or singing <laughs> i love it i think we're all probably in agreement that we're pretty into the song chad what you thinking how do you feel about this song as someone who's been an ariana grande fan for the long haul this song is undeniably so much fun and also so reminiscent of some of her earlier work. Specifically, I'm thinking True Love off Christmas and Chill and some of her work on Yours Truly. And it's just such a throwback to that for me, which is kind of the best thing about it. But at the same time, it's still kind of a musical progression from some of the stuff she did with 
my everything and then dangerous woman and now sweetener so i feel like in a way you can view it linearly as kind of this new summit that she's peaked at but also as built upon all of these different nice little peaks that she made in the past caitlin what you thinking i would like to i'm not going to call you out tanner but you notoriously do not like the gossip but this is a breakup song but also it kind of puts a new spin on it right like she's not hurt anymore she's like you know what thank you for teaching me things thank you for showing me what I don't want Pete Davidson wink wink and she created this great kind of girl groupy song she's harmonizing with herself she's like in every sense I think moved on and good with herself as shown by this song I'm trying to think you mentioned girl group and now I'm thinking what was the song on Sweetener that has we talked about it on a previous episode it's a song from Sweetener it has her harmonizing with herself and kind of references Mr. Sandman (sighs) you know what I'm talking about don't you yes are you talking about get well soon maybe the last track no it's not the last track no tears left to cry no it wasn't one of the singles but it was it was one of the album tracks kind of in the middle where it's sort of quiet subdued wintry and there's this part where Mm. she does this harmonizing sort of descending chord doom 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 you mentioned girl groups and that was what i thought of because that was something we talked about earlier but yeah no i I can hear it in my ears exactly but it's funny you mentioned the 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 gossip or the lyric angle because that's actually like you mentioned historically that's not something i tend to gravitate towards but for me i think that's almost the strongest part of the song in some senses i don't think it's as melodically distinct as a lot of the stuff on sweetener But I also don't find that to be much of an issue because so much of the essence of the song to me feels like about that spirit of generosity Mm. that I'm moving on and I'm thanking you and I'm thanking you. I feel like a song with that title, Thank You Next, especially with some sort of cheeky all lowercase stylizing, I feel like that could really easily turn into something a lot more vindictive. And just like people were very impressed and excited about no no tears left to cry as ariana's first output in the wake of the manchester attack i think it says a lot about her as an artist and also where the current pop landscape is to say that a song that prioritizes some sort of humility and generosity is doing is doing this well also i really need to briefly mention her performance of the song on ellen (laughs) all right chad has seen it caitlin have you seen it i have not it's really endearing. There's a part early on where she like trips on her heel and almost stumbles. And she's just like, oh no, huh? But then just kind of like collects herself and kind of chuckles with her, her backup dancers and then just carries on with the song. And it somehow just heightens the mood of the song even more. Chad, I don't know if you've, if you've felt similarly having seen that performance. What was really crazy to me about it was how on the same wavelength it was with exactly what Caitlin said because it's a recreation of the ending scene of the movie First Wives Club where they sing You Don't Own Me and do the full dance. It's like Diane Keaton and Bette Midler and Goldie Hawn. And so it's literally taking a famous girl group scene and interpolating it to be for Thank You Next. And it's oh, so good. I didn't even know that, that that was like a film illusion. Because the set is gorgeous. If, if listeners at home or Caitlin, if you go and watch the video, you know, it's, it's, it's a wedding sort of lineup and they're dressed in all white. And it's a very, very elegant setting. But I didn't know that that was a film illusion. First Wives Club, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look into that. 
Also, one last note, this isn't a fully formed thought, but I just find myself kind of grateful for how far along pop music discourse has moved in the last 10 years because I think back to when Taylor Swift was first starting to cross over into from country into pop and so much of the sort of knee-jerk criticism was all she does is write about her exes Ugh, can't she write about anything else Ugh, i'm so over this and i feel like it's it it makes me feel a little bit better that now more of us are finally mature enough to be like yeah it's okay for a woman to write a song about that <laughs> i don't know it's a cool song caitlin are you how do you think this stacks up compared to the lead single from sweetener no tears left to cry or even god is a woman does this feel substantially different to you? I think I might voice my only critique at this point of the song. Ariana Grande really pushes her voice in No Tears Left to Cry. I think that's undeniable. I think the pacing is something that was new for her. Just that energy was something that really turned me on to the song. In Thank You Next... I think she almost needs to take kind of a backseat vocal in this in order to get her message across correctly. So she really spends a lot of time kind of in her lower upper range, if that makes sense. And she's not really pushing for those higher notes like she usually does. And then the chorus, thank you, next, it drops, right? Instead of kind of reaches like her normal ones do. So for me, it was a little bit out of character, but rightfully so given the topic. I think I'd agree with that. Kind of doubling back to what I was saying about the melody maybe not being the most distinct, but it almost not mattering as much in light of the, the general mood and lyrical theme. Yeah, I think that the only last thing that I contribute is that going off the theme of generosity and also having it be kind of an indistinct melody, it sounds to me like the perfect breakup Christmas song. And... <laughs> I don't know why, but the first time I heard it, I was like, I hope that she waited for this time of the year to release this just so that I could get my life going into Christmas. I feel that, Chad. I feel that. <laughs> Definitely. And speaking of Christmas, no, not speaking of Christmas, we're going to completely do another 180. We're going to talk about music released around Halloween time. And if we're talking about songs that chart in the sort of tracking period around Halloween, you know who we have to talk about. It's Metro Boomin. So back on the 2nd of this month, November, Metro Boomin released a solo debut album, Not All Heroes Wear Capes. And this is the second year in a row Metro unexpectedly released an album near approximately around Halloween. Last year, on Halloween, we got his fantastic joint album with 21 Savage and Offset titled Without Warning. And this new album, Not All Heroes Wear Capes, is even more stuffed with guest features. You've got the return of 21 Savage and Offset, but you've also got everybody from Travis Scott to Sway Lee to Gucci Mane to Gunna, and the list goes on and on. And honestly, I would expect nothing less because Metro Boomin is arguably, or perhaps inarguably, the most important and influential producer in hip-hop right now. Bad and Bougie, Mask Off, Tunnel Vision, congratulations. Metro Boomin is core to the current sound of hip-hop. For better, I think, and for worse, some other people might think. And that made it all the more sort of implausible when, back in April, he announced his retirement from rap on Instagram, and people were kind of like, okay, sure. <laughs> okay, sure. And then, sure enough, fast forward to late October, in Atlanta, New York City, you get a bunch of missing person billboards that appear with the producer's image on it, and everyone's like, okay, what's going on? Lo and behold, those billboards wound up being promos for this new album. And as a whole, I have to, on one hand, admit to being kind of disappointed by Not All Heroes Wear Capes. I think it's a decent album overall, but it 
for me at least it falls off pretty hard in the second half and especially like if you compare this to without warning it doesn't have a complete knockout of a track like rick flair drip or rap saved me so on one hand it's a little bit of a disappointment but on the other there is one track that i still think is a really strong cut above the rest of your run-of-the-mill hip-hop and i say that with a lot of affection for a lot of -of run-of-the-mill hip-hop and not coincidentally it features a certain 21 savage Let's listen to Don't Come Out the House. Gucci throw a hundred thousand, that's just in a day. Okay. Always cheating, I'm a dog, think I need a cake. Okay. Savage loaded, chips and dip, I'm not telling my lay. 21. Throwback raps, call them retros, I'm not telling my J's. 21. First night, 21, last night, health nut, I got too many freaks. 21. Levi jeans, low self esteem, he on black people meet. 21. Look like Maya, she's on fire, who got the keys to my G? Scrap up. Who won't smoke, cause I won't smoke, I had a wet dream about beef. 21. Bang outside, hang outside. Don't come out the house cause the gang outside Bang outside, I hang outside Don't come out the house cause the gang outside Kids see my car, they get the plan, bingo Off-brand rapper stealing all the lingo 30 on my hip, the label want a single I green light hits, I don't make jingles Straight up Shut your mouth for you drop It wouldn't be me talking about a hip-hop track, and it wouldn't be me talking about a Metro Boomin' track if I didn't gush about the production on this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, you 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 know what's coming. So the the kicking the best part down the road, I'll also point out. It, so this doesn't this doesn't fully go for that horror movie atmosphere that Without Warning went for last year, but it still kind of alludes to that with that piano sample that uh, it almost sounds like a. It, it sounds like an old piano somehow. It sounds like maybe some kind of rusty upright or something like that. It has a sort of blown out quality to it that really suits 21 Savage's voice really well. 21 Savage, for his part, I feel like I, I feel like he's the perfect rapper for Metro Boomin to work with. Every single time, it seems like those two work together. The result is just really impressive Okay, I can't kick the can down the road anymore. When he starts whispering, I am so thrilled. Because on one hand, it makes a really strong contrast to, you know, you've got that kind of harsh banging piano going, and then all of a sudden, and he whispers. And so you as a listener want to metaphorically lean in. And then what does Metro Boomin do once you lean in? He brings that snare back, and it's that kind of broad thwack. By itself, that snare sound would not be a necessarily aggressive sound, but because everything around it is so quiet and you are already listening in close, when that thwack comes back in, it just has this punch that just... It's like in a scary movie or like a horror movie when everything's quiet and then boom, the killer comes out of nowhere or I don't know, something happens. Yeah, similar effect. The more I think about it, the more I like that analogy because... I think any good horror movie, when that horror, when when that killer does jump out, that's not the first time that you have seen some sort of allusion to him. You know there's a threat, and then the threat comes. And similarly, this isn't the first time we hear that snare thwack. That snare thwack is in the verses. 
when there's the the piano and everything else it's still there but the full brunt of it doesn't come until like you said everyone's already scared and, <laughs> and on edge chad what you think on this one i think that the horror analogy actually gives so much more weight to what i thought was a really dumb thought in my head but i was thinking a lot about how the track kind of conceals and uh then reveals itself continuously throughout the track and i think that the best horror movies aren't the ones where it just is like a bunch of scares continuous com- continuously compounding but it's the ones where you see the scare but then all of a sudden it's concealed and then it's slowly pulled back and then it's there and it's gone again and then by the end of the track it's so kind of compounded on all of the emotion that's gone before it. and the lyrics of this track too are i think certainly play into kind of the 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 mindset of fear that really kind of reaches a crescendo by the end of the track and so i think that the whole idea of the horror analogy certainly works very well for this song in a way that i wouldn't have even thought about it if i if i just listened to it kind of passively yeah Mm -hmm. caitlin any other thoughts on your end yes um my other thought is king's dead kendrick lamar j-rock future the part kind of midway through the song where i think it's future it goes yes kind of like crackly whispered and i just checked to see if metro boomin was on that track and he was not on production on that track but i thought it might be cool (laughs) if he was like oh it's a whisper thing going on in the metro boomin world (laughs) but just a total left field vocal choice that's i that's a good connection i hadn't thought of that did you think it was interesting to hear a track like this in comparison to i don't know what your experience previously with metro boomin was but i knew a lot of his production through songs like bad and bougie and to me those songs are so slick like it feels like it's just continually kind of in a cycle almost throughout the entire track uh and this one was so many dynamics and i don't know it was quite revelatory for me to hear something so different yeah i don't think it, i i it might not have actually that's a good way to think about it that I wonder if this album might have impacted me more. Have you listened to Without Warning mm-hmm. before? Okay, because having heard that, I think might have lessened the impact of something like this for me, at least, because thinking back to like Ric Flair Drip or Rap Saved Me, that helped kind of prime my expectations mm-hmm. for this one going in. So I don't know if I was completely caught off guard, but certainly compared to something like Bad and Bougie or something like that, the differences are um, are much starker, I would say, for sure, for sure. Caitlin, I think that's about all we have over here on the U.S. side of things, unless you have anything else. You want to uh, guide us across this perilous path ahead of us? Yes, I'm so excited to talk about probably the worst pop music I've ever heard in my life. Um, Chad and Tanner are along for the ride. I kind of can guess what their reactions might be, but somebody might throw me a curveball. But let's get into Joan of Arc, Little Mix. We have mentioned Little Mix before on the podcast, but just a refresher, they're a British girl group, and they kind of came out of the golden days of the UK's X Factor. Current members include Perry Edwards, Jesse Nelson, Leanne Pinnock, and Jade Thurwall, and all of those ladies are between the ages of 25 and 27. They've released five albums in the span of their seven-year career, and uh, that most recent album which we are seeing on the charts right now, is titled LM5. Probably stands for Little Mix 5. So created. So created. So creative. I can't speak today. 
I don't really want to get into the chart history uh, of Little Mix because I don't really think they deserve the critical acclaim that they've received, but that's a personal Caitlin problem. LM5, just to give you an example of my way into talking about this track, uh, it opens with a very brief interlude, about 30 seconds, titled The National Mantham, and that's kind of the perfect setup to talk about Little Mix's kind of very confused feminism here. Uh, so let's go ahead and play a clip and then I will explain myself. Damn. One foot in the club, everybody watch me. One pop of the booty, everybody love me. Ain't the reason I'm cocky. I made myself feel sexy. Fan of myself, I'm standing myself. I love me so much, I put my hands on myself. Fan of myself, I'm standing myself. I love me so much, I put my hands on myself. Hell yeah, I am. I don't need a man. If I'm loving you, it's cause I can. I don't want you cash. I hope your ears aren't bleeding, cause mine might be. Okay, so other than the horrendous kind of chicken clucking singing and the very mismatched sections of this song, the content of the song is kind of what troubles me most. Uh, lyrics such as, man, I feel like Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, queen of hearts, yeah. Tonight it's only me that matters. Male voice comes in. Oh, you on that feminist tip? Hell yeah, I am. That's a chorus. And kind of the increasing kind of, I put my own rock on my hand, I put my own rock on my hand. It kind of reminds me of Nicki Minaj a little bit uh, and how she kind of gets into her alter ego, uh, like from her Barbie voice to her almost kind of scary Halloween-y voice. And then Little Mix doesn't pull that off. But I need to slow my roll because we need to hear from Tanner and Chad uh, before I really sink my teeth in here. So Chad, let's start with you. Thoughts on this song? I have several thoughts. <laughs> um, my first place to begin is with another girl group that is very similar in their history to Little Mix, which is Fifth Harmony. Uh, may Fifth Harmony rest in perpetuity in my Spotify playlist. <laughs> but both formed on Simon Cowell produced shows, both versions of The X Factor. They've released very similar content throughout their careers. And I think that this song legitimately is almost identical to boss by fifth harmony with the chorus boss michelle obama purse so heavy getting oprah dollars which is kind of that yeah yeah it's that very referential kind of chorus where it's like if i reference something in pop culture automatically i gain some like cultural cachet like some like capital it's that very like ryan murphy-esque kind of writing uh if you guys have watched american horror story as of late where it's like if i can throw enough references at the wall it'll be good enough for someone <laughs> right so it's very similar to that for me uh and the other thing that i think really struck me on first listen to this goes directly to what you said about the album itself, which starts with the National Mantham, and then Woman's World, and then uh, Woman Like Me featuring Nicki Minaj, 
And I think that, well, I don't want to speak for Little Mix because I do not know what was going on in the process of writing this album. I will say that it seems like so much of the album was focused on female empowerment and all of the tracks kind of chart different ways of approaching that subject. If I was to choose one that really hit me in just a very weird spot, I think this one would be it, where it it takes this like very kind of uh, intense, if I throw enough things at it, it'll work approach to it, where (laughs) they throw in random like 90s hip hop samples in the background, and then all of the references that I talked about, and then the fact that with some of the other songs, at least, they tried to kind of make a plot to it, which makes it so much more interesting. Like, Woman's World, they tried to make a plot for the verses in the chorus. This one is legitimately just, like, chaotic, intersecting trains of thought, which just, like, explode once they try to make it lead back to Joan of Arc. No, that's a really, really good summation, I think, of my confusion with the song as well, Chad. But before I, I get into it, Tanner, did you want to share anything? I don't know if I necessarily have a ton more to say. I find myself looking at the list of three, Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, and Queen of Hearts, and find myself feeling like one of those doesn't really belong with the other three. (laughs) On just like a really nitpicky, lyrical sloppiness level, there's that. But I I think Chad has covered, and I imagine you're going to also go into more depth, on the fact that even putting aside the lyrics, the song is a mess. None of these pieces... These pieces fit together poorly, but they also don't clash in an interesting way. Mm. Chad talked about with that Metro Boomin song, Don't Come Out the House, how there's this push-pull, these very stark contrasts, but in a way that works, that creates some sort of attention. And with this track, it just sounds sloppy. There's no, there's no discernible rhyme or reason, as far as I can tell, to why there are all of these jarring, jutting pieces kind of sticking out. And I'll just stop there, because I'm going to continue to try to adhere to the old adage that if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all caitlin feel free to toss that adage in the fire yes so i'm not going to necessarily be mean i'm not going to be mean but what i am going to do is maybe comment on this image of feminism that little mix puts forth for us it's very much like dancing in the club looking very sexy touching yourself rejecting men because you can or loving one because you can do whatever you want I think first and second wave feminists might be very taken aback by that kind of list of things. But what I would really like to do is kind of loop back around to the song title that makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know how much listeners know about Joan of Arc. She's kind of a dope historical character, very strong woman, super basic rundown of why I'm simultaneously confused and disappointed by this track. See, I didn't use very mean words. That was good. So Joan of Arc grew up on a farm, never danced in a club. How glamorous. During the early 15th century, obviously England was at war with France. Joan of Arc led a French army, led an army to the town of Orleans that was under siege, and the French got a huge victory. Wow, amazing. So she literally fought to put a a prince on a throne to be a king. So... I don't know, she got captured, whatever, she got burned at the stake, but she never renounced the king or her religion. She didn't just care about herself, she cared about her entire country, and this is why I don't understand the Little Mix song. Because everything that this character stands for is the opposite of what they say in the song. 
I mean, I'm a I'm kind of borderline infuriated here. And as Tanner often points out, I usually can find a bunch of stuff to say about deadbeat, not so great tracks. Uh, but this one kind of made me prematurely turn in my grave. So that that's kind of why I had to speak on this. Because when I heard Joan of Arc, I was like, oh, this might be a cool song. No, no, not not even close. So I'm off my soapbox. Guys, if you want to say anything to wrap it up, feel free. I'll just say, just to really drive it home, compare all of that information about Joan of Arc with the line in the song that literally... Well, on one hand, you have the very uh, cringeworthy line about stanning myself, which is another instance of why internet lingo should never, ever be spoken out loud. (laughs) But you also have the line about how it's only me that matters. And that hyper-individualist attitude is jarring on its own and and kind of... uh, But then especially in the context of comparisons to Joan of Arc. Overall, if this came on at a party, would I get whiplash? Yes. Would I still dance? I don't know. This is to be decided. Let us know how it goes in the future, please. (laughs) Okay, on to happier things. I have talked extensively about my weird affinity for the key of C minor before, and here we are again, this time featuring one of my favorite singers ever, Marina from Marina and the Diamonds. I think she is new to the podcast, but I've kind of been with her for many, many years. She's also uh, notoriously very good friends now with Lana Del Rey, which makes me love her even more. A little bit of background then on Marina Diamandis. Uh, She was born in Wales, but grew up in England. And I like to think of her genre as... It's it's kind of hard, but I think of it as girly pop or kind of borderline indie pop sometimes. But she can get into rock situations and has some phenomenal live acoustic performances that I highly recommend. But this week on our radar, we have Baby. It's a collaboration between Clean Bandit, Despacito star Luis Fonsi, and Marina. So I really liked Tanner's model the other week of playing the song in chunks and then kind of talking about it. So we have it in our ears and it's a little bit more clear what we're talking about. So I think we're just going to start at the very beginning. Here's a first verse. Standing here in an empty room, I saw you there and my blood ran cold. Take me back to the long September dawn. just heard my least favorite part of the song the verses are very folksy they feel kind of it's almost makes me feel like a polka like dun 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 and i'd like to think it's kind of folksy meets shakira it sounds like marina is trying to mimic shakira which i didn't like that's all i'm gonna say about this first verse guys any thoughts i would only say that if you listen to the big hits by Clean Bandit, you get stuff like Symphony and Rockabye. And those tracks, especially in the first verse, are all about getting you into what is that main chord structure that will just explode in the chorus. And since I think we're going to play the chorus, you can see why in this song it gets a little 
gets a little weird. Let's get right into that chorus then. Guess I had my last The syncopated claves. I am kind of unabashedly in love with this chorus for some reason. And that reason has to do a lot with the melodic and harmonic structure. So the very high point, kind of the climactic point, the baby, that's like super, super high. And then she kind of does this descending O. That's what I want to focus on here. So the first kind of scale degree in that she lands on a B flat, which in the key of C minor is a seventh scale degree. Last week, Tanner talked a little bit about scale degrees. It was very impressive. And he talked about how the second scale degree was very unstable. Well, similarly, the seventh scale degree is very unstable because you could go so many places. Usually it leads back to Do or leads back to one, the first scale degree. And that's exactly what this does. So she lands on B flat. She makes it up to C in the next ascending. Oh, and then game changer. Most important part, people. She doesn't go back down to B flat. She raises that seventh scale degree and sings a B natural. And that is so important in pop music because she adds a dimension of either the harmonic or melodic minor which just never happens in pop music that much. In rock music, I think it happens a little bit more, maybe. But just that, how the B natural echoes into the next verse, I'm just, ugh, I just melted. Tanner, do you have any thoughts at this point? Or have you forgotten we're listening to a song? No, 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 no. I do like the song. My thoughts are more general. So I will let you continue through your systemic analysis. Okay, the last clip I want to play and then I'll promise that I'll wrap up, is the bridge. This song also has a bridge that sounds, you guessed it, very different from the first verse and the chorus. Wish I met you at another place in time If only, if only you were mine This love story ends for you and I Cause I'm already someone else's That was just a Marina and the Diamonds appreciation moment. The way that she transitions from her head voice down to her chest voice, if only, if only you were mine. It's kind of dark, and I love her voice, and I'm a fangirl, and that's all for me. (laughs) Anything to add, guys, on this systemic approach to Baby? I like the systemic approach. I like the song, and what it pretty early on in my listening to the song made me think of, made me think of ABBA. In general, I feel like the that wheelhouse of I'm sad and otherwise forlorn, but I'm going to dance about it to super upbeat songs. That feels very ABBA to me, and it particularly reminds me somewhat of the, the ABBA song Fernando slash the Lady Gaga song Alejandro slash whatever other songs in that sort of in that sort of vein. And I think that's just a really 
I think that mix of kind of glum, bummed lyrics with very upbeat instrumentation, I think that's just a winning combination in general that can get you pretty far in terms of songwriting, I think. But yeah, that ABBA connotation was the one was the one thing that I was kind of thinking of with the song. It's totally solid. It's good. I, I, I definitely like some Clean Bandit songs more and I definitely like some less, but they seem fairly consistent overall, which I think can't be said for plenty of other pop musicians. Yeah, I think for me that one of the things that I really took away from this song, which I really like about the chorus and think it's really interesting in terms of the other songs that Clean Bandit has put out is that typically, you know, there's that Clean Bandit robotic arpeggiation, which is everywhere in their tracks. And this goes into almost that big band swing (laughs) kind of chorus, yes, which uh, is so different. And also, I think that Marina's vocal performance on this is quite different than almost the, the cold, detached tone that is typically applied to a lot of the vocalists on a Clean Bandit song, specifically because they distort their voices so much throughout the tracks. So I think that's what really works for me about the chorus. I just wish the verses were as interesting. And for me, I feel like where some of the Clean Bandit songs feel like this rush into the chorus on this track... I just kind of skip the verses because I'm like, I know that the part that I really love is the minute that Marina just kind of loses it in the studio. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love this assessment of this song because the verses lacked so much. And I'll be honest, I almost turned it off the first time that I heard it because I want to live in that how to be a heartbreaker, like prima donna kind of Marina bubble, if you will. And and she definitely stepped it up in the chorus. And Clean Bandit stepped it up in the chorus. Luis Fonsi is in there, everybody. You just have to listen very hard. And with that, I want to toss it back over to Tanner to introduce our pick of the week. So I anticipated a lot more of a debate between Caitlin and I in picking this. I had my clear favorite and I wasn't sure how she felt about it, but it sounds like it grew on her over repeated listens. And... It's Don't Come Out the House. We've slightly disappointed Chad by not having it be the Ariana Grande, but we'll have it be a nice little runner-up there. I just, I I find myself thinking a lot about, I don't want to call it a bubble, because bubble implies that it's going to burst at some point, but I find myself wondering how much longer trap production styles and timbres will continue to define the center of hip-hop in the mainstream. Because I feel like from a lot of older hip-hop heads, you hear a lot of complaints about all modern hip-hop sounding the same. And while I try to be understanding of where they're coming from, I feel like Metro Boomin's work, at its best, and even at its like half-best, I think demonstrates that Trap is a lot more versatile than people will give it credit for. And I think that this song in particular, and particularly, again, 21 Savage, continuing to find unexpected ways to make his voice flexible and interesting to listen to despite having a very flat tone to his voice is really striking to me and it's not rick flair drip very few things in this world are rick flair drip but i think it's good enough to be pick of the week and caitlin agreed so yay yay well thanks so much for listening to chart chat everybody where we think we're it but we're really just clowns If you'd like to listen to all of this past week's chart debuts, you can find a Spotify playlist in the show notes. 
And if you have any questions, feedback, or corrections, you can always get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at chartchatcast. Also, if you would be so kind, drop us a review sometime. Helps us find new listeners, and we enjoy hearing from you. Chart Chat's intro theme was written by Peter Kelly and our cover art made by Billy Phillips, both from Coronation Media. Coronation Media is a creative studio specializing in video production, animation, and graphic design. To learn what they can do for your company or organization, visit www.coronationmedia.com. Chart Chat is also a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Caitlin. I'm Tanner. I'm Chad, and I'm super grateful to be here. And we will catch you next week.